who speaks for God? Who speaks for God? One thing is certain and very clear that there's no lack of individuals or groups who would say that they speak on behalf of God. There are TV shows that come on regularly that claim to speak for God. There's a host of radio programs that would say they are the voice of God. In light of social media, we now have churches and ministries saying that they are the representatives of God and that they speak for God. You go to the bookstore or you go online, there's a host of so-called Christian books. And in those Christian books, they are saying that they are representing God, that they are speaking to you and writing to you as if they reflect the voice of God. So there's a plethora of individuals, ministries, churches, schools that would say they speak on behalf of God. Guess what, Fairview and friends? Even though all of these individuals and groups and denominations, etc., say that they speak for God, you have a responsibility to determine whether or not they truly do speak for God. It is your awesome responsibility given by our text that says that we cannot throw up our hands in frustration and say, I don't know who speaks for God. There's so many different people who claim to speak for God. Our texts won't allow us to take that approach. It is our responsibility as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to determine whether or not a person truly does speak for God, to determine whether or not what comes out of that person's mouth is a reflection of God and a reflection of his word. The bottom line is there is an obligation for you and for me to practice and exercise spiritual discernment. We will not be let off of the hook by simply saying, well, whatever my church believes, I believe. Whatever the pastor says, I agree. Now, spiritual discernment demands that we listen and evaluate the things that come our way and determine whether or not what is being said in the name of God is actually coming from God. And so there's a crucial need uh, in our world today, in our society today, in our churches today to understand spiritual discernment. Without spiritual discernment, 
you and I are going to end up in great spiritual trouble. And some of the times when we look at our spiritual condition, it's because of the fact that we have not exercised spiritual discernment. That we have allowed whatever to be said to be taken as the voice of God. Our text demands spiritual discernment. And not only does it demand it, but it gives us some tests whereby we can find out, where we can understand and realize and identify what comes from God and what doesn't come from God. And so we need to dive into God's word together and look at these verses with with the hope, with the prayer that we will understand this matter of spiritual discernment. And please notice that in the, the very first verse of our text, there's the call for spiritual discernment. John, in essence, shouts for from the mountaintop that every one of his readers is to exercise spiritual discernment. That spiritual discernment is to be part and parcel of their life. He addresses his readers in a very tender and loving way. He refers to them as beloved, our dearly loved ones. He's done this several times already in chapter 2, verse 7, chapter 3, verse 2, and also chapter 3, verse 21. He will do it again in chapter 4, verse 7, and chapter 4, verse 11. He wants his readers to know that no matter what's going on in their lives, John wants them to know that they are dear to him. When he calls in beloved, he's saying they're dearly loved ones, they're affectionate ones, they're treasured ones. John, who has so much to say about loving one another, communicates over and over again in this epistle that he loves his readers. And he grabs their attention. He he directly speaks to them and says, dearly loved ones, dear friends. And he calls them to spiritual discernment. And we need to understand that spiritual discernment demands that spiritual gullibility be eliminated. That spiritual gullibility be eradicated from our lives. That it be dismissed. That there is no room at all in the child of God's life for spiritual gullibility. In other words, there's no room at all for you and for me to be spiritual suckers. We cannot be those who are hoodwinked. We cannot be those who are deceived. We cannot be those who are easily duped. We cannot be those who are led astray. John wants his readers to understand that. That when when he calls them to spiritual discernment, That is a call to stop being spiritually gullible. 
Stop taking in all of these different messages of people who say that they speak on the behalf of God. And so he says to them, do not believe every spirit. He doesn't say do not believe a spirit. He says don't believe every spirit. When John uses the term spirit, it could refer to the Holy Spirit. It could also refer to a human spirit. It could refer to the spirit of Antichrist. It could refer to the spirit of error. Last Sunday, we saw a woman, the unnamed woman, and she had a spirit of divination. We've seen when we went through the Gospel of Mark that Jesus cast out unclean spirits. And so there are spirits that are divine. There are spirits that are human. And John says that we can't believe every spirit. And the bottom line is he's not just talking about something inside a person. He's really saying that in regards to don't believe every person. Just because a person is a doctor or a reverend or a prophet or an apostle, John is saying that is not a license to believe what that person says. Even if the person is a, quote, pastor, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, that is not a license to believe everything. John says don't believe every spirit. He doesn't say don't believe any spirit. There is a certain spirit that we are to believe. But his concern here, don't be gullible. Don't be the kind of Christian who cannot discern, who cannot detect truth from error, who who cannot determine whether or not something is real or not. This call for spiritual discernment, yes, it demands the elimination of spiritual gullibility, but it also demands the exercise of spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment is more than just a topic. It's more than just something we talk about. It's something that is to be practiced. It's something that is to be exercised. It's something that is to be employed in our walk with God. Day in and day out, we might be called upon to make evaluations, to practice spiritual discernment. And so John says, don't believe, don't trust every spirit, but in strong contrast, test the spirits. He gives them an about face. He said, look, I don't want you to believe every spirit. But on the other hand, I do want you to test every spirit. And that really is the essence of spiritual discernment. It means that you are willing to test the spirits. That's what he's calling for. And again, as we said, the spirit could be a capital S, spirit, Holy Spirit, 
or it could be a lowercase s. But regardless, test every spirit. And if that's going to be a reality, then the idea of test must be at the forefront of our mind. The term test was used of animals being tested for sacrifice to see if they were acceptable. It was used for a person running for an office, testing that person to make sure they qualified. Uh, It was used of those who dealt with medals or coins to make sure those medals or coins were legitimate. Some of you have bought a diamond or diamonds, and hopefully you weren't gullible. I told you the story before when I was a young knucklehead. I said, yet was, and hopefully you don't think I still am, but I remember going downtown L.A., had a little money in my pocket, had a paycheck, and I remember this guy pulled me aside and showed me this watch. And in my mind, it glittered with diamonds. And he said, I'll give it to you for $15. And I bought it. Got home, and my brother was not a gemologist, so to speak, but I showed it to my brother. He said, you got suckered. You got suckered. And Jonathan, I don't want you to get suckered. And in order for you not to get suckered, you're going to have to test the spirits. That's something that you are commanded to do, that I am commanded to do. I I can't just simply think that I will know exactly about these spirits, but they must be put to the test. And, And John says, test the spirit with what purpose? To determine whether They, the spirit, are from God. And that's his big issue here. He wants to impress upon us that it matters that we are from God. As a child of God, we need to be born of God or be born from God. Here he's saying the spirit that you are to test, you're to test to determine whether that spirit is from God. The origin, the source of that spirit, can it be said that it comes from God himself? And John said, you have to be like that person who tests the animal, like the person who tests the coin, like you test the diamond, trying to make sure it's real and genuine. You have to do that with regards to the spirits. You got to test to find out, does this spirit come from God? Because it's the spirit that is motivating and moving and influencing the individual to say what he or she is saying. And John says the reason why you cannot be spiritually gullible, the reason why you need to test every spirit, practice spiritual discernment, is because there are many false prophets who have gone out in the world. That's why there's a call to discernment. Because of the presence of false prophets, 
pseudo-prophets, individuals claiming to be the mouthpiece of God. And as John writes to his readers near the end of the first century, he, he, he sees his reading. He understands the environment in which they live. He knows from biblical history that in the Old Testament, Israel had false prophets during their time. He knows that even during the time of Jesus, there were false prophets. John will write in the book of Revelation that there will be false prophets, even the ultimate false prophet who's part of that unholy trinity. And John says to his readers, guess what? You don't live in a pure world. You don't live in a world where everyone, when they speak, they speak from God. No, you live in a world where that is filled with many, many false prophets. And he says, you need to test the spirit because there are false prophets everywhere. They have gone out into the world. The world is their lecture hall, so to speak. The world is their pulpit. They are making known a a message that is not from God. Oh, yes, they will mix in some truth. But at the same time, John is saying, these individuals have gone out into the world. And so when we think about this call, it's still relevant today. Each and every Christian who's serious about his or her faith has to answer this call. They cannot just allow themselves to be gullible, to accept anything that comes from, quote, a person claiming to speak on the behalf of God. I wish I could tell you that you could go to a Christian bookstore, even in our neighborhood, and buy any book in that bookstore and you would get the message of God. That would be a bold-faced lie. You can't do that. You have to exercise spiritual discernment. I wish I could tell you that every TV program, every radio program is someone speaking on behalf of God. No, you have to test the spirits. And what that means is that we have to know the word of God better. That John is saying to his readers, you have the responsibility. He has the responsibility to make sure that we eliminate spiritual gullibility in our lives, that people don't see us as spiritual suckers. They can hoodwink us and deceive us and lead us into giving and doing whatever they want us to do. And they're all around. If they were around in John's day, they're around even more today. Every church in the city of L.A., city of Inglewood, just think about all the churches. And I don't know of any of these churches saying, well, we don't speak on behalf of God. 
We don't have a sign out here in front of Fairview saying, come in. We don't speak on behalf of God. We say that we are proclaiming the word of God. But everybody is saying that. And John is saying to his readers, he's saying to us, don't be gullible. Test the spirits. Exercise spiritual discernment. Now, verses 2 through 6, John turns his attention to the test for spiritual discernment. He's called his readers to, be, to exercise spiritual discernment. He's called his readers, make sure you eliminate being gullible. But now he gives them a couple of tests that are relevant for him, that have application to us. But these are not the only tests for spiritual discernment. It's interesting when you look at our Bibles, when you look at the text in verse 2, it begins by saying, by this you know. By this you know. And then you come to verse 6. At the very end of verse 6, it says, by this we know. So it's by this we know. It's by this you know how to determine whether a person is the voice of God, speaks on God's behalf. John said, I'm not just going to leave you out there trying to figure out for your own how to determine whether or not a person speaks for God. I'll give you, to his readers, two different tests. Now, one test, the first one that he mentions in verses 2 and 3, is the Christological test. That is, it's a test that focuses in on Jesus Christ. It focuses in on his person. It focuses in on his work. And he says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That's the test. I hope you see that in verse 2. Every spirit, without exception, that proclaims with their mouth and with their heart. That lets us know that he's not just focusing in on the spirit in a person, but he's focusing in on the person. Every spirit, every person that confesses with one's mouth, and what they confess with one's mouth is what they believe in one's heart. And that person is continually confessing something about Jesus Christ. And don't separate those two words. Don't say, well, it matters what you confess about Jesus or it matters what you confess about Christ. No, it matters in this context what you confess about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Christ is Jesus. And you cannot separate those two. There were those in John's day who tried to do that. They they wanted to say that Jesus became the Christ when he got baptized. And he quit being the Christ right before he went to the cross. John says, heresy. You cannot separate Jesus from Christ. This Jesus Christ, John says, came in the flesh. 
It wasn't Jesus only who came in the flesh, but it was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God who came in the flesh. And John said everyone, no exceptions, who confesses and believes that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that spirit, that person is from God. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that a person, a spirit that confesses that about Jesus Christ is from God, is of God. The source and origin of that person's existence is God himself. In other words, the person is a genuine believer. But he goes on. Equally important to the test is what's found in verse 3. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So, so John recognizes there will be spirits that confess that Jesus Christ is God. That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. But John also understands that there are spirits that will deny that. Now, do you know enough about Jesus Christ that you can detect error? That you can detect the truth and distinguish that from error? There are people who come through your neighborhoods and who knock on your door. And they will tell you that Jesus is the Son of God. But they will deny that Jesus Christ is God. There are movements like the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, who deny the doctrine of the Trinity. They deny who Jesus Christ actually is. Do do you know enough about your Savior, about your Lord, that that would cause your skin to bristle? That, That it's almost like saying, hey, let's fight. Are you just going to, oh, you're such nice people. Thank you for coming by. And if you want to come by next week, come on by next week. Oh, yeah, sure, leave me some of your literature. Are you going to stand up for Jesus? A person, John says, no, no matter what they say, oh, we're representatives of Jehovah. We're from the kingdom hall. Uh, We're the church of Latter-day Saints. But but they are denying that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. They are denying that Jesus Christ is God. And and John says very dogmatically, in, in, in a time where there are many voices, John says... A person who does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is not a mistake. This is a person who does not have a relationship with God. This is a person who's dead in their trespasses and sins. You say, well, where does this spirit come from? John says that this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Remember earlier, 
In 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 27, we talked about the Antichrist coming and the presence of many Antichrists during John's day. John is saying this is not the spirit of the true and living God. This is not the Holy Spirit. This is the spirit of Antichrist. And he says, I told you about this Antichrist coming. And guess what? The spirit of this Antichrist floods the world in which you live, he says to them. This is the spirit of Antichrist. And you have heard that it's coming and now it is already in the world. This is not some idealistic world that we live in. We live in a world that's filled with false prophets. We live in a world that the spirit of Antichrist, the spirits of Antichrist have flooded. And so we can't just walk naively through this world thinking that there's no challenges and no issues. False prophets are speaking because they want you to follow them and not follow the truth. The spirits of Antichrist, they're in the world because they want to devastate you. They want to keep men and women, boys and girls, dead in their trespasses and sins. They want to proclaim a gospel that is no gospel at all. This is not some mythical story. This is not some cartoon where we think, oh, this is no big deal. No, this is serious. Men and women, boys and girls, have been led astray by false prophets and by these spirits of the Antichrist. And so John, when he gives these tests for spiritual discernment, this Christological test, he lets us know that spiritual discernment demands that we know our Savior, who he is, what we believe about him. And that won't come by osmosis. It won't. We'll have to exercise spiritual discernment. We'll have to take advantage of opportunities to learn about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. There are many heresies out there. And some of us might be believing them because we have not taken the effort and the time to learn the word of God. Oh yes, we talk about the mind, the intellect. Some people think that's bad, it ain't bad. You wanna be duped, go by your feelings. You want to be misled, go by how you feel. John is not telling them, oh, you need to feel something. John is telling them, here is an objective test. Listen to what they are confessing. Listen to what they are saying. Yes, biblical truth changes our life, but we should never, ever minimize the importance of biblical truth. That's what John is doing here. And so there's another test that he gives. I call it the audiological test. And that might not mean anything to you, but to a young boy who spent a lot of time with things happening to his ears, I got used to taking hearing tests. 
I can remember as a little boy where they, I guess they had to get the wax out of my ear. Back in those days, it was a huge tube. They put the water in there, etc. I can remember taking all different types of tests. Still can't hear completely. So when I come up to you today and I put you on this side of my ear, let it be known. I don't want to hear you. And even though my wife sits on this side, her voice is so powerful that it comes around and gets in. Okay, but I'm not sure about you. But if I want to hear you, you'll find. I was talking to Marcia during the greeting time. He was talking to me. I, I can barely hear on that side. I have to put this ear. Uh, and John is talking about an audiological test, the hearing test. And what he is saying is that you can tell something about these spirits based upon who listens to those spirits. I hope you caught that in verses 5 and 6. John talks about those who listen to them, those who listen to us. And so he's talking about this hearing test. And the hearing test, before he gets to it, he just want to assure them that he knows that they are saved. In the midst of the danger of false teachers and prophets and spirits of Antichrist flooding the world, John is not under any delusion that those that he's writing to are the children of God. And before he gives this hearing test, he just stops in verse 4 and directly addresses them as children, dear children, special children, close children. He's their spiritual father. They are his spiritual children. And he says to them, you are from God. Those are encouraging words. When somebody like John can say to the people that he's writing to, you are Not you will be, not you once were. You are from God. Your existence has everything to do with God. Your origin, the the, the source of your life is not tied into you. You are from God. You are a child of God. And and he says another thing to them in verse 4. He says... And have overcome them, the false prophets. It it might seem intimidating. You might be saying to yourself, how can I really deal with all of this error that's in the world? Remember who you are. You are from God. Uh, Remember what God has done for you. You have overcome them, the false prophets that have gone out into the world. He said, when did I overcome them? It was at the moment of salvation. When God saved you, there's certain things he did for you. And one thing he did for you, he made you an overcomer. Every Christian is an overcomer. That's why John said in chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, to the young men who are all Christians, you have overcome the world. It might not look like it, but we have overcome the world. And John is saying, look, you are from God And you have conquered the world. And in this case, you have conquered these false prophets. 
Why? Because you're so sharp? Because we know the truth? No, because greater is he who is in us, the Holy Spirit, than he who is in the world. Every genuine believer at the moment of salvation, the Spirit of God indwells that individual. And John is saying the one in you, the one that you are to rely upon and to depend upon in your walk with God, the one in you is greater than the false prophets, the spirits of the Antichrist is greater even than the devil. You've overcome. You've overcome. And it's because God has done something for you. And what he has done for you, he's given you his Holy Spirit, as we learned a few Sundays ago. The Spirit of God is in us. And because he's in us, that means that we are conquerors. The false prophets are a threat, but we don't have to be intimidated. We are already victors. And we can rely upon the Spirit of God to see us through. And so, John gives his hearing test. It's two parts. The first part is in verse 5, when he informs the readers of the false prophets. He says, they. Verse 4, he said, you. Now he says, they. And the they that he's talking about are the false prophets. And he said, they are from the world. That world system that we are not to love, that's headed by Satan, that's made up of unbelievers, that has values and beliefs that leave God out. John says, they, these false prophets, these spirits of the Antichrist, they are from the world. Their origin, their source, the world, their existence is due to the world system. And because they're from the world, John says there's two things that we can say. First, they speak as from the world. These false prophets have their own language. They got their own dialect, so to speak. They don't talk like Christians. They speak differently. They speak as from the world. The vocabulary, the words that make up their message leaves God out. It's the things that Satan is involved in. Oh, yeah, as I said, they might sprinkle in some truth, but they speak as from the world. And guess what? The world listens to them. They, they hear the message and they follow the message. And if you look at someone who says, I speak for God, and the people that are listening to that person are not from God, but instead they're from the world, that gives you a clue. Who's following? Who's listening to this individual? I'm not talking about people who profess to be Christian. I'm talking about the reality, who's actually following. And and when they speak, it doesn't bother unsaved people. Even though these individuals are saying, I speak from God. But what they say doesn't bother 
unsaved people. The health and wealth gospel doesn't bother unsaved people. I hope you know that. <laughs> what, what person doesn't want to hear that God wants you wealthy and God wants you healthy? They, they won't talk about sin. They talk about what God wants you to have. He wants you rich and healthy, etc. And so the first part of that test, John says, is who listens to them? But when he comes to verse 6, we see the second part of the test. And John addresses a different group. He says, we are from God. And that might cause you to bristle a little bit. Isn't John being judgmental? No, isn't John being arrogant? How can he be so dogmatic? How can he say that one group is from the world and the other group is from God? He speaks as an apostle. He speaks as one who is undergirded and moved by the Holy Spirit. And he wants his readers to know there's a clear-cut distinction, demarcation between those who are from the world and those who are from God. Now, with our living sometimes as Christians, we blurred the line. But in John's living, it's black and white. And he says, we are from God. And guess what? He who knows God listens to us. The one who does not know God does not listen. It all goes back to you can determine whether a spirit is from the Holy Spirit by who listens. And John says, Christians are listened to by other Christians. The one who knows God. They don't listen and go after a message coming from a false prophet. They listen to a message given by one who comes from God and who is of God. And so John ends by saying, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. By this. By who you listen to. The audiological test, the hearing test. Who listens to this spirit? Is it those who know God or is it those who do not know God? And that will help you to determine whether or not a person speaks on behalf of God. Every month, a stack of newspapers appear on the porch of Fairview. A magazine that's called L.A. Focus. And the full title is L.A. Focus on the Word. It's a magazine that I will take time to read and look at and look through. But if I give the magazine to anyone at Fairview, I will always tell them, read the magazine with discernment. A lot of good information in the magazine, but also some things that need to be weeded out and discerned and is not representative of God himself. That's the kind of world that we live in today. That 
There are many false prophets gone out into it. The spirit of Antichrist permeates the world that we live in. And people are saying that they speak for God. I'll say that. I speak for God. But you better go test what I'm saying. Don't just accept it because I'm your pastor. But go back and look at your Bible and make sure that the things that I'm saying coming from the word of God. You say, I don't have any, you don't need any degrees. You have the spirit of God in you. And the spirit of God will help you to understand the word of God. And just like you have mastered those science books and those mathematical books and all other kind of books, you can master the word of God. You can know the essentials when it comes to the Christian faith so that you're not gullible, that you're not easily duped, you're not led astray. But instead, you take heed to what those who represent God actually say. And so, Fairview, we need spiritual discernment. The world that we live in demands that. And I trust that you understand that spiritual discernment will not come just simply by coming on Sunday morning and listening to a message. That's a part of it, but there's far more that's needed. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we understand that the times in which we live are difficult and challenging. And your word has told us that dangerous times are are coming and, in fact, have come. And we recognize that there are those who claim to represent you, individuals, groups, churches, denominations, schools, And yet the call for each and every one of us is not to believe every spirit, but to test the spirits. Lord, help us to be engaged in spiritual discernment. Help us to rely upon the spirit of God who is in us to understand the word of God and and to decide between that which is a spirit of truth in that which is a spirit of error. Father, thank you for your graciousness to us because many times you have kept us even though we are very gullible. And so we know that you are gracious and kind to us and that you will work in our lives to keep us on the right path. But help us to see our obligation. Help us to understand who Jesus Christ is, what he has done. May he indeed be the center and circumference of our lives. Father, help us to recognize individuals by who listens to them. You said that the Lord Jesus Christ said that his sheep hear his voice. And so, Father, help us to pay attention to your voice. We commit ourselves to you and ask your blessings upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.